0: Welcome to Uniquely Small Biz, a podcast where small business owners share their unique stories to inspire our listeners.
1: Welcome back to Uniquely Small Biz by Selective Insurance, a podcast for small business owners to share their inspiring stories. I'm Carolyn McArdle, and we're looking forward to bringing you another wonderful conversation with small business owners who are as unique as their ventures. Today, I'm excited to welcome the owner of Urban Churn Craft Creamery, Adam Brackville. Since childhood, Adam has had an entrepreneurial spirit, and on the road to find a calling, he went from web development to landscaping to eventually landing on churning ice cream. So sit back and get ready for another thoughtful episode of Uniquely Small Biz, brought to you by Selective Insurance. So Adam, right out of the gate, can you explain the concept of craft ice cream? Because I know that's what you do. So explain what craft means when it comes to ice cream.
2: Yeah. So craft is the art of making something specialized. So with our ice cream, we churn small batches. We work with real ingredients. We do things the old fashioned way as well. So the craft, the art, the specific way in making it very unique and very dedicated. So that's why for us, it's more of a craft ice cream, craft production that we produce.
1: I get the visual of back in the day before you and I were both alive, how probably our parents and our grandparents would go to a fountain shop and they'd have that real ice cream where you taste it and you go, now this is ice cream. And now today, aside from you guys, but so many companies, We'll just mass produce, right? And you lose that quality. So I would imagine that's what you guys are striving to achieve is to have that old school, authentic quality product.
2: Yeah. So my family are all from Juniana County. And so we used to make ice cream in the old churns with the salt and ice. And my uncle used to own a dairy farm and my father used to live in a farm as well. So to make ice cream the old fashioned way was a family was very important to us. And with us now bringing that family tradition with urban churn, we don't want to mass produce anything. We want to stick to using real ingredients because a lot of mass production does entail food coloring or entails artificial flavoring just to be able to produce a lot quick. And that's what we're not about. We're about finding the right ingredients. We do research and we try to turn things pretty much in a craft way where we're not going to be mass producing. Everything will be in a smaller batch of churns and we pay attention to each batch that's made.
1: I would imagine you can taste the difference.
2: Oh yeah. Especially depending on what the dairy is being used and the additives, because we use milk and we get a delivery every week. So everything that we receive is fresh and you can really taste the difference between fresh ice cream, which you wouldn't really think about fresh ice cream being a thing, but it is like mass production versus fresh dairy ice cream that doesn't have all the additives.
1: Yeah, definitely noticed a difference. Have you always been kind of an entrepreneur? Is that in your blood based that this is a family business?
2: So I am one of the few in my family that has gone out to start a business. My grandfather did later on in his years. And actually, when I told my family that I was going to start an ice cream business, they weren't quite sure. They kind of thought, oh, I'm not going to be too serious about this. And I never thought I'd find myself doing this as well. So this is more of an endeavor that I kind of went on my own to take. It's been a ride for sure. Yeah, I never thought I'd find myself doing this, to be honest.
1: You were in the web development business before this. Weren't you in the landscaping business before this? So you did some other things before you found yourself in the quote unquote ice cream business.
2: Yeah. So growing up, ever since when I was little, the classic lemonade stand, right? I did a lot of that during the summertime. Lemonade stands, I at school would resell candy. I used to hunt. So my family, we would make deer jerky and I would sell deer jerky at school. And then as I got older into high school, my friends and I would do landscaping, we would do pet sitting, and, and that was successful. We had a good range. It wasn't just like a neighborhood thing. We had a good range, a good radius of customers that we would go out and do a lot of landscaping work. And I only had one real job in the past was a barista. So I would make coffee and stuff, and that was only for about a year. It really wasn't for me. I, I'm that individual where I need to be doing my own thing. I have a drive for creativity, I have a drive for thinking, for planning things, for doing stuff. In that sense of success, when you're able to achieve it, it's very important to me. And then even in college, I started a web development business my junior year in college. So yeah, I did have that drive ever since I was little. And after web development, I just landed on ice cream. A lot of folks in the area in Harrisburg was looking for a dessert option at the time. And I thought, well, why not? Why don't I give that a shot?
1: Did you grow up, though, making ice cream with your family? I thought I read something about that, that you guys used to do that as a family.
2: Yeah, with the salt and ice churns, we would make the ice cream every summer at my great-grandmother's cottage. That's more of a key memory for me. And part of the reason why I started Urban Churn was the memory and joy of making ice cream at my great-grandmother's cottage with their family. We would get together for Father's Day for birthdays, grape nut ice cream. It was a popular flavor that my family would make. And that's a very Pennsylvania niche flavor, but we would make it all the time. So that was definitely a core memory.
1: I was looking at some of the flavors that you offer. Speaking of niche flavors, in particular, the bourbon ice cream, the smoked bourbon, the salted caramel. You can't go wrong. I saw a lavender and honey, which was very interesting. So I'm kind of curious to know where your unique flavors came from? Like, where did these ideas come from for those particular flavors?
2: Yeah. So when I first started Urban Churn, I would produce a lot of unique flavors. We would partner with breweries to make beer ice cream, using a lot of local ingredients, partnering with a lot of chefs because chefs had a lot of creative ideas. We wanted to make ice cream that matched their menu. And I love to cook as well. I'm definitely no chef, but I do appreciate the art of cooking and the combination of ingredients that one would think would not work, but does. You know what I mean? So like using vinegar and ice cream, one would think vinegar and dairy wouldn't work, but it does if you use a certain kind of balsamic vinegar, a very, very rich, thick balsamic vinegar. So I loved cooking. I loved working with chefs. That's pretty much how we came to create all of these unique flavors, all the way to Our yearly popular flavor is the sauerkraut ice cream, and that's our little claim to fame where we made news across the country about this flavor, and you pretty much had 50-50 results on if people approved it or not. A lot of folks thought it was a repulsive idea, but others thought that would be good, and it does work out, and it's fun to create those unique flavors to get that kind of feedback from people.
1: What's the sauerkraut ice cream taste like? Does it taste like sauerkraut or is it, it's called sauerkraut. They taste like chocolate.
2: No, no. So we take the brine, the brine's the juice from the kraut and we blend it in with the dairy and you have to keep it mixed or else it'll turn the dairy because the acid, it pretty much turns the dairy almost like buttermilk. So it's like a buttermilk base. And then you do get some pieces of the kraut throughout, but it further enhances the buttermilk. So it does have that tangy bite to it. But it's not as bad as you would think. So it's just a perfect example how two drastically different ingredients that comes together, and that's just a basic example and why we did the sauerkraut ice cream. But it's a very popular flavor; a lot of folks love it.
1: This is a terrible example, but I found that to be true. I'm in California; a lot of frozen yogurt out here. And when I first heard about tart frozen yogurt, I thought that's got to be so nasty because yogurt—you're thinking vanilla, chocolate, strawberry—all the classics. So when I first tried tart, it was like, whoa, it catches you off guard. But then you really like the taste. I feel like the same would be for the sauerkraut. The name is a little bit not off putting, but scary. Oh, yeah. But it could be one of those where when you have it, you have to get it every time you go. You try it. It's good. You go back and you're like, I have to have the sauerkraut.
2: Yeah. Like I said, with the sauerkraut, yeah, people think just sauerkraut. But if they do try it, they understand it. It makes sense to them. And We have a lot of folks that come back year after year looking for that flavor. It's like a highlight for them. But part of it is also my family. I don't know if you have the same tradition, but my family, we're Pennsylvania Dutch. And so eating sauerkraut on New Year's Day is supposed to bring you good luck. And so that's our family tradition. We eat pork and sauerkraut. And for us in Pennsylvania, the sauerkraut ice cream actually has added another yearly Routine, a yearly thing for some families to have our sauerkraut ice cream as part of their like tradition, which is fun. But that's also another reason why it's more successful here. And I'm not sure if pork and sauerkraut's as much of a popular tradition elsewhere and maybe in California for, for yourself, but for us, it's huge over here. Okay. Yeah. No,
1: we're more crab legs out here in California, the San Francisco area. <laughs> What's the Ron Swanson? Obviously, that's a nod to Parks and Rec, right? Yes. Yeah. I love Parks
2: and Rec. It's a hilarious show. It's a nod to Ron Swanson, where he's that manly man character that likes whiskey and everything meat, anything vegetarian is repulsive to him. So it's definitely a nod to him where we smoke the dairy and we add bourbon and bacon into the ice cream. So it's everything that Ron Swanson would love. And uh, I think he had a quote that knocked against frozen yogurt. Do you know what that was?
1: I can't think of what that was. Do you know what it is offhand?
2: Yeah. He said, Dear frozen yogurt, you are the celery of all desserts. Be ice cream or be nothing at all. So we post that quote every time we release the flavor.
1: What's your favorite? I mean, you guys have so many flavors. So if you're going to sit down and have a bowl of your own ice cream, what are you going for?
2: I change it up all the time. Right now I'm all about the classic mint chip. We use real mint, and we don't use artificial food coloring, so it's just a light green. And our chocolate is this nice, semi-dark chocolate chunks that we have all throughout from a local chocolate company here in Pennsylvania. I'll go for that all the way to my ultimate favorite was the balsamic kumquat ice cream. And that's more of the expensive flavor to make because kumquats over here isn't as common. So that was my favorite and uh, we worked with the chef to create that flavor and it was very popular
1: your flavors are so intricate that i would imagine and you alluded to this earlier just being off by a hair on an ingredient or a measurement could really throw the whole batch
2: i guess you would consider food science right so there's just like the sauerkraut example too much vinegar it's just going to turn the milk you have to have the right amount of acid and you have to keep mixing dairy and after doing this for a while you start to realize there's a natural rule of thumb. So you can, our staff can start churning the stuff without doing research first. They, they just know that there's too much is too much of something. You kind of get a natural instinct of what to add.
1: It's almost like a bartender in a way or a mixologist where you could make a, let's say a Manhattan, but if you add too much bourbon or too much simple syrup or whatever, you could throw the taste of the traditional cocktail, which you're expecting. So it's very interesting. You're right. It is like a science.
2: Yeah, absolutely. That's a good example is
1: bartending. Talk to me about your packaging. Your packaging is so hip. It's so cool. Who's helping you with your designs? Who's helping you with your marketing? What's the story behind that?
2: Yeah, so the branding, we worked with an artist to come up with the branding. The initial Urban Churn was based off of a moonshine company, and it was like a black logo, very simple. Then that's what we continued going on. We go with black, white, and green, mostly, With a couple other colors green is supposed to be the representation of using natural ingredients we don't use a bunch of different ingredients we don't use a bunch of nonsense stuff we don't use artificial coloring we don't do crazy coloring so the simplicity of our packaging represents the simplicity of an ingredients that we use as well as again using natural colors not like bright pink not this other neon stuff that's all
1: that's all of what we've been about simplicity and don't you find, too, that the craziness of a design, or if it's just too much, it takes away from the actual product?
2: It depends on your goals for the product, right? So for us, we have our pints at select giant food stores over it's a grocery store chain over here in Pennsylvania. And when you look at your product compared to all the rest that's on the shelf, what stands out? Some of these products, they're able to get away with these really cool designs or like the patterns or whatnot. And it works because it does grab your attention. But if you have other competitors that are doing the same thing, it's just too much looking at it. And so we looked at our competitors and that's another reason why we want more simple is because with all of these different style and patterns and colors and brands these companies are using, we wanted just a solid straight color and that in itself sticks out from the rest because you're looking at something more simple across the line. So like I said, complex
1: design can work to attract, but it depends on how you are using it. That's part of design. I feel like this makes so much sense for you guys, though, because of what you said, because you're using pure, simple ingredients. You don't need fancy, big, loud. It speaks for itself.
2: Exactly. Yep. We let the ingredients and the flavor speak for itself. And those who understand work and pick out the quality and taste of a product that uses quality ingredients versus one that doesn't would appreciate it as well. So that's why I worked. It's just
1: simplicity, uh, really. You guys have some very interesting business approaches at Urban Churn. You've got the scoop cards, you've got the retail partners program, you're selling local cold brew, canned coffee. So how do these efforts support your business? A
2: lot of our products
1: that we've been providing, some of
2: it has been more about testing it testing to see if it works. Like we did an ice cream subscription where we would send out the ice cream, shipped it to nearby customers on a regular basis, like once a month with a random flavor of the month that we might be churning. We've since stopped that because we want to properly execute it, but we did it we launched it and it was successful. But we found some flaws and we found some things we want to improve on. So a lot of these products that we would launch, we're testing things out and we want to relaunch it again with an improvement. Now, a lot of the other products that we sell would be some partners that we have, such as the Cold Brew Coffee. We have Elementary and Lonely Monk Coffee. They're both local roasters in the area. So we use their products a lot in our ice cream, but we also wanted to sell their products at our stores. And it goes great with like a coffee float. So if you buy one of these cans, you get a scoop of ice cream as good as a coffee float. The scoop cards is just a way to give back to the customer. So we have a lot of loyal customers. So if they use our scoop card, they get 10% off of every single purchase that they make. And they get a discount if they preload their card by a certain dollar amount. So it's just ways to try to give back to the customer. But yeah, at the same time, some of these other items that we might sell is testing the water, testing to see what do the customers want. And then we'll close it for a while, improve it, and watch it again.
1: Well, also in supporting other local businesses, like with the cold brew. That was one of the flavors that I was immediately drawn to. I love cold brew, especially out here in California. It's always hot, especially now. And so I saw the cold brew coffee and I thought, well, that's interesting. It's so specific. Usually you see coffee ice cream. Now it makes sense as to why it's cold brew, because you've partnered with a company locally. And I love that you're selling their product, too. I mean, I think that's awesome.
2: Yeah, yeah. With the cold brew, I mean, it's very much popular over here as well. But with our cold brew ice cream, we soak the coffee grounds in our dairy up to 24 hours. So it naturally releases the flavor of the coffee without it being too harsh or too bold. That sounds
1: so good. If only California and Pennsylvania were just a little bit closer together. (laughs) Well, you have multiple locations. You offer delivery. You've got pre-ordering online, I mean, you have done so darn well. Congratulations, first of all. And second of all, like what's next for you guys? As an entrepreneur, you always have to have something kind of running around in your brain and plans on the way. So what are you thinking for what's coming next?
2: We did just go through a major expansion where we just opened up our major churning facility where we renovated this building. And the goal for this building is to focus more on wholesale because we do have some loading docks and the capabilities to produce and ship out of state and to get into more stores. So our goal right now is wholesale, focusing on wholesale. And regarding opening shops, we just opened up a third location in Carlisle. So we wanna make sure everything's stable and we're about to enter the winter season. So we just kind of, from here on, hunker down and make sure everything's stable. And after that, we're looking at shipping pints out of state. So like a pint subscription to get out of state. We have a program that we're just about to release that we've sort of almost perfected. And if another door opens up or another door shows up, we're willing to look at it. At this point, we're just this kind of company where we'll keep moving forward as we see good opportunities arise. But through this winter time, we're just going to hunker down and just improve our sales and plan maybe for the next year, possibly
1: opening another location. So we'll see. Right now, it's just, like I said, hunkering down and getting more stable. I think you're definitely a more to come situation. It's coming. We just don't know when.
2: Yeah, yep, (laughs) yep. It's coming. Don't know when. And we don't want to rush since we just, like I said, had a huge quick expansion this year. So it was it was a lot of going on this year.
1: Yeah. Well, congratulations on everything. Yeah, I appreciate it. Fantastic. Joining me now to talk all about harnessing creativity and translating artistic expression into business success is Brian Culler, the marketing director at Selective Insurance. Brian, what advice do you have for a new small business owner? The advice that
0: I would have for a new small business owner would be, obviously, identify those professional services that you're not very familiar with. Identify your lawyer, your accountant, obviously your insurance agent, and really work with them to find out the elements of your new business that you may not be really familiar with. But while you're doing that, figure out who you want to be as a company. Figure out what your brand is going to be, what you want your customers or your prospects to think about you whenever they see your logo or hear your company name. And then think about how you can start living up to that brand? What are the elements of your company that you're going to integrate to make sure that it's very obvious to
1: your customers about who you are? So that you don't have to tell them so much that they know just based on the marketing that you've done and the branding that they've done. It's very crystal clear. Exactly. Yeah. And speaking of that, Adam mentioned that as a craft ice cream business with unusual flavors, they cater somewhat to a niche market if you think about it like they've got the sauerkraut ice cream that he was talking about that's appealing to the locals so from a marketing perspective what do you think are the benefits or the risks of a small business taking a specialist approach versus appealing to a mass or a broader audience
0: yeah the benefits are great that you you can really understand your market you have a smaller group that you need to concentrate on so you don't necessarily need to hit that larger audience and tailor everything you're doing to everyone. You really just want to look at your small subset, your niche market that you're looking to cater to. Additionally, you have the ability to adapt. It's important to be able to shift your strategy if you realize it's not working. And he talked about it where he's tried multiple different campaigns or flavors that haven't quite worked, and he's able to adapt them quickly to make sure that it does work directly with that customer base that he's trying to target. Additionally, when you're only targeting a smaller audience, You're able to establish your brand or really your niche with that audience. He talked that only 50% of the people that try the sauerkraut flavor really liked it. However, they still come back and try it and they'll come back and try some of the other flavors as he goes forward.
1: How do you feel about the sauerkraut ice cream? (laughs) I I am definitely
0: not a sauerkraut person. I'm quite adventurous when it comes to my ice cream, but not sauerkraut.
1: I know that might be going a little far. But after I talked to him about it, I thought, you know what? I would try this. So put me in that first 50% for sure. So when it comes to launching a new product or a new service, what are some of the best ways for a small business to approach that?
0: Yeah, my advice there would be know who you are and stay true to it. When you think of what your brand is, it's not your packaging, it's not your logo, it's not your tagline. All of those are elements of what your brand is, but they're not who you actually are. You want to think about who you are and then make sure that you can stay true to you. When you talk about what Adam does with his packaging, the colors that he brings into his logo, they're representative of him being simple and natural. And he can carry through on that because his brand promises that he offers those simple, natural products and... That's what he actually offers by working with local companies.
1: Yeah, I thought it was interesting that he talked about piloting different programs to test what works with his audience. But then there were some that he paused when he saw that they weren't exactly what he wanted them to be. And I thought that was pretty great. Instead of trying to force this product like you will like this product, he took a beat and said, OK, maybe these aren't exactly what they should be.
0: Yeah, And th- that ability to shift is Vital. And I know that in what we do as a larger organization, we look at running pilots just like he does and then adapt accordingly. If we've noticed that something isn't working, maybe a color isn't working or visual isn't working, we make sure that we can make those adjustments quickly, just like he does.
1: When he talked about his branding specifically... Urban Churn takes the approach that less is more. They use very simple, very clean packaging with colors that represent their brand of natural ingredients. So in your opinion, Brian, how important is visual branding when it comes to relaying your brand's personality?
0: Yeah, like I mentioned, your brand is so much more than just your logo and tagline, but your visual brand is what people will immediately think and start building those initial reactions to who you are as an organization. And he does a great job of having that simple, natural-looking logo that will bring that across to his audience quickly. And the other thing he mentioned is a lot of ice creams right now have very busy logos. So as he's competing for shelf space in the store, he stands out a little bit by having that more simple and unique look.
1: Yeah, isn't that so funny? I was so struck by that when I was speaking to him because naturally you're thinking me as a non-business owner, but I'd be thinking... How do I stand out? What do I do? I've got to have this on my logo and this on my logo and this. And his approach is really the opposite with the, like I said, the less is more. So I thought that was really smart. I am a firm believer of less is more when it comes
0: to visual design, whether it's adding white space to packaging or in our case, advertisements that we have to really make the elements that you want to stand out pop off the page even more. I think the simpler, the better in many instances and especially here where it helps
1: him stand out in that sea of all the different
0: ice cream that might be in that freezer case.
1: What advice would you give to any small business with specialty products like Adam's when it comes to effectively marketing?
0: Yeah, I would say know your audience. That is absolutely vital. But then when you wanna find them where they are and when they wanna be found, because the worst mistake that you can make from marketing is going out and getting in front of someone when they don't really wanna hear from you because that's just gonna fall on deaf ears and that's money that's not well spent. So identify who that audience is and get in front of them when they want to hear from you and how they want to hear from you, whether it's through advertising through traditional print or digital solutions or even some of the offerings that he's offering the scoop program where it's constantly on
1: top of your customer's mind. Yeah, I think he's going to be very successful (laughs) with a great product. So, Brian, thank you for being here today. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us for this episode of Uniquely Small Biz with the owner of Urban Churn, Adam Brackbill, and Selective's Brian Culler. For more information on the delicious work being done by Adam and his team, check out Urban Churn's website at urbanchurn.com. And if you've enjoyed listening to the podcast, be sure to subscribe and tune in next month for more inspiring stories from real small business owners.